If happy little bluebirds fly beyond the rainbow, why, oh why, can't I? No doubt you recognize that as the last line from the iconic song, Somewhere Over the Rainbow, sung by Judy Garland early in the movie, The Wizard of Oz. She was only 17 at the time she recorded it, and yet there's a maturity, there's a, there's a deep sense as she sings that she understands this yearning that is found in, in all of us, that desire to be home, to be in a place where you're welcomed and loved as you are and nothing more. It's beyond the rainbow. It's a place where cowardly lions discover they have courage, where mindless scarecrows find out that they're more intelligent than they ever imagined. Somewhere beyond the rainbow where you and I are welcomed, loved, and finally able to take that deep, deep breath and just be home. It's something like the teaching that we heard from Jesus this morning that Sarah read just a moment ago. In God's house, there are many dwelling places. The, the word that's translated for dwelling places in the King James, it's mansions. That word in the Greek is the root of the word abide. It's less about a place, a physical place, and more of a state of mind or a state of being. It's, it's the recognition that we will finally, it's the promise from Jesus that we will finally, at the end of our lives, be welcomed in the arms of God's love and there we will be at home. It's a promise that Jesus speaks to his disciples on what must be the most frightening night of his life. When I hear his voice, I hear him speaking in calm tones and a soft voice, but still it is a difficult night. Jesus knows, he knows that his life will be taken the next day. How does he know this? Does he know this because he has some sort of magical, uh, miracle sort of uh, son of God powers to see into the future? No, he knows, the disciples know, his friends know. Pontius Pilate, the Roman governor, he knows. The entire city of Jerusalem, one of the gospel writers says that it was a seismic event when Jesus arrived a few days before on Palm Sunday. The whole town is shaken up. Everyone knows the next day will be dangerous for everyone, especially for Jesus. And yet in this quiet, soft voice, he declares to his disciples, in God's house there are many dwellings. There is a place where you will be allowed to abide, to simply be yourself, to be present. And you know the way to where I'm going, Jesus says. No wonder we hear this read so often at funerals and, and memorial services. It is a beautiful promise that this life is not the end, that there is indeed a life to come where all of us finally in that great morning, whenever that occurs, will all be welcomed into the arms of love, will all finally be beyond the rainbow and at home and at peace. You sometimes when I meet with families, especially if they're remembering a, a loved one who lived a long and wonderful life and there's much to celebrate their, their life. Maybe they lived into their 90s and, and beyond. Sometimes the, the conversation can turn a little lighthearted. We'll start to talk, you know, Grandpa Bob just loved to play golf and now we know he's been set free to play golf to his heart's content as much as he wants to. He might actually get good someday. 
or, or, or maybe it's Grandma Violet and we remember that she just loved to eat and just had to cut back because every time she took a little bite of something it seemed like she couldn't keep from gaining weight and now she's going to have that marvelous buffet. It'll look like Thanksgiving and Christmas and birthday all combined into one thing and she can eat to her heart's delight and never worry a moment about gaining a pound or two because that's how it'll be in heaven. It's lighthearted. It's kind of fun to think about those things. It's, it's, not some, it's not wrong to think that way, but you and I know what we long for is not a putting green in the sky. It's not the chance to eat some apple pie and ice cream and not gain weight. What we long for, what we yearn for, is that place where we will finally be welcomed and known by name. Some of you see Cheers. Have you ever seen the, the, remember the sitcom Cheers back in the 80s and 90s? How's the song go? Sometimes you want to go. We know sitcom music better than the Bible. <laughs> Sometimes you want to go where everybody knows your name. Sometimes you want to just go in and sit at the end of the bar with your buddy Norm and get caught up over a beer and find out what's going on in his life, share a little bit about your life, and then make your way back, back home for a night of rest. Sometimes you just want to go where everybody knows your name. Do you know that according to church growth experts, that if you go to church and seven people call you by name, seven, whether there are a few dozen members or a few thousand members, if seven people say, hi, Tom, it's good to see you. Hi, Pam, how are you? And you hear your name on the way out the door seven times, then you'll feel like, that's my home. That's my church. That's where I can be myself. It only takes seven names to feel at home, to be loved for simply who you are. I have a theory that this is why we love dogs so much. When our Layla was coming toward the end of her life last summer, we met with her, our vet a few times on the best things we could do to keep her comfortable. Finally, that difficult day was coming. But he said to us, his name is Dick Vesper. He's a member of this church. I saw Dick yesterday at the annual meeting. He sat on the floor with Julie and me as we sat with our dog, Layla. All three of us were crying, including Dr. Vesper. And he said, do you know what, you know what she's thinking right now? She wants to be nowhere else but here with you. She's not thinking about tomorrow. She's not worried about some project seven days from now. Right now, all she needs is you. By the way, I've, I've done some research on, on, on this. All dogs do go to heaven. I want you to know that. I, I have theological degrees and things, and I've studied this carefully. And I've discovered that if you take the word dog and you spell it backwards, it's God. What more proof do you need? And I don't mean to make light, but I've talked with widows who have said to me, you know, even though he's been gone for a long time, I still expect to hear his voice in the morning. I've talked to widowers who have said to me as well, you know, I, I come home after being out with some friends or playing golf and I still expect to see her face when I walk in the door. It's that yearning, that longing, that desire to to be home that pulls us, pulls us forward. 
You know, I, I've always wondered why the, why, the, why the movie didn't end with a reprise of the song, Somewhere Over the Rainbow. You know, Judy Garland sings it at the beginning in that beautiful and poignant way. And, and maybe perhaps the movie makers didn't want to bring that, that sad, uh, sorrow-filled song at the end back because the movie ends on such a high note. You know, they've, Dorothy and the Scarecrow and the Tin Man and the Cowardly Lion have been through all these terrible things and they've dealt with all kinds of uh, trials and tribulations on their road to the Emerald City on their way to try to get back home for Dorothy. And maybe they don't want to end and bring that back, but I, I wondered if they should have. Because even, even, even when we have those moments, those glimpses of when we feel like we're at home, there's still something deep within us that says maybe we're not quite there yet. Or maybe it feels like we hold on to that moment as, as long as we can because we might lose it tomorrow. And I, I've always wondered if they, if they could have brought the, the song back at the end. Maybe just a brief reprise, a brief reminder that if happy little bluebirds fly beyond the rainbow, why, oh, why can't I? You know, the line that's remembered the most from this movie is the line, there's no place like home. There's no place like home. There's no place like home. It's a powerful word, but I, I read a theological blogger this week who wonders if there isn't something more, even more powerful in Dorothy's response to the Tin Man when she is about ready to go home. This blogger that I read, he said he compares this line from Dorothy, her response to the Tin Man, as that of a Zen master. Uh, let's put the words up there on the screen so you can be sure and see what, exactly what she said. There's, the Tin Man asks, what have you learned, Dorothy? She replies, well, I, I think that it wasn't enough to just want to see Uncle Henry and Auntie M, and it's that if I ever go looking for my heart's desire again, I won't look any further than my own backyard because if it isn't there, I never really lost it to begin with. Leave that up there for a moment, guys, so that we can let that soak in. If it isn't there... I never really lost it to begin with. Dorothy has discovered in this almost Zen-like way the truth that Jesus teaches his disciples. The idea that there is a place where we can abide, a place where we will finally be home, a place where we will finally be, be welcomed and brought in. You guys can take the quote down now. That's the promise that if you read through the Bible, you'll find it stated over and over again. Many of you know Psalm 23 by heart. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil because you, you, God, are with me. Those words are attributed to King David. They could have been written by a Hebrew poet. Regardless of the author, the truth and the beauty of that statement that no matter what we face, God will be with us is powerful. I remember something my friend Robert Capon used to say to, to illustrate this idea. He said, imagine that you're driving on a backcountry road in Minnesota. The roads are covered with snow and a little bit of ice and things have gotten dangerous outside. The snow is starting to come down much more heavy, uh, much heavier. If there's a wind blowing, it's starting to look like a blizzard. You can't see very well. And the next thing you know, this truck that you're driving, this rickety old truck loses control, slides off the road into the ditch and into a huge snowbank. There's a drift of snow so deep there's no way you're going to get the truck out. And you look down at the gas gauge and you realize, I don't have enough gas to make it to the night. 
Now we might long for a God who magically and miraculously comes out of the sky and plucks us out of that truck and drops us safely in our home. But what we get instead, Father Capon used to say, is a God who comes and opens the door and says, slide on over, scoot over, because I'm here to go with you through everything you're facing. I'm here to be with you, even in life and in death, to say to you that the worst thing that's happened to you is never going to be the last thing. That's the great promise, that God will be with us through it all even into the next life. Brene Brown said, I went back to church hoping it would be like an epidural, that it would take away my pain. But the church isn't an epidural. The church, the church is a midwife who sits with us in our pain. To experience that is to be home, to finally find our way to that place where we're known, where everybody knows our name. It's beautiful to watch this story as Dorothy, through the gifts of love, grace, and courage, knits this little, this little group of intrepid travelers into a family. They, go, they face all sorts of trials and tribulations, as I said a moment ago. They, they deal with flying monkeys and wicked witch and, and a charlatan wizard and, and worse. They even go through a field of poppies, which is kind of a, like dealing with a, with a drug problem. You, you name it, they deal with all kinds of things, and they find their way through, and they get they finally get through to the end of their journey, and what have they become? They've become a family, an unusual family, not a normal one, not the kind we would expect to see, not one that fits, at least, within our cultural norms, the things that we think families should fit into. And that dawned on me last week. And I've watched this film 317 times now, <laughs> give or take a couple. It dawned on me during my last viewing earlier this week. It's a beautiful film ahead of its time. This family is unique and diverse and different, and yet their family is every bit as loving as mine or anyone else's that you know. That happens through the beauty of grace, love, and courage. The most powerful characters in this movie are women. There's the Wicked Witch, there's the Witch Glinda, and there's Dorothy the most powerful of them all, whose love, grace, and courage creates something new out of nothing. The promise of Jesus is the same for us. Do not let your hearts be troubled, for you know the way, the way to home, somewhere, beyond the rainbow.